And this morning we are going to be talking about Jesus on faith, fitness, and health. I invite you to bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are again grateful for the opportunity to come together in freedom to worship you in spirit and truth. And we pray for the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds and to bless our study this morning and also to give us the power that we need to live up uh, to, your, uh, to, to your word. For we pray in Jesus' name, let everyone say amen. amen. Thank you very much again for coming and those watching online. We're glad that, that uh, you are worshiping with us online. So here's a question for us to think about. Do our lifestyle choices really make a difference at the end of time? And we need to wrestle with this question and of course, we are interested in what kind of answers this morning? Biblical answers, okay? So our, um, our motto has been, if it is in the Bible, I believe it's not in the Bible, it's not for me, okay? And we are going to see what the Bible has to say about lifestyle choices and how that uh, can help us as we navigate in these last days. But... I think it's an obvious question, but we are going to explore the Word of God. For us to serve the Lord and to serve humanity, God has designed a plan for us to be fit and in health so we can fulfill our mission and also enjoy better quality of life. So is health a matter of chance or choice? What do you think? choice in most cases we know that there are exceptions genetics play a role and there are factors that we cannot control but generally speaking health is a matter of what if you want of choice okay so you can see here a picture of one person making one kind of choice in one side and the other making a different kind of choice in the other side our choices can either add or subtract years from our life and that is true and that's what we are going to find in the bible which can easily be backed up by science today so i invite you to turn your bibles with me to the book of revelation let's go there to the book of revelation and we are going to revelation chapter 12 i want you to go there with me and we know according to our studies we are living in a time of controversy between good and evil, okay? So we have a controversy between um, Satan and Jesus Christ. So I just realized here that for some reason it didn't save the way it should have saved here in my computer, in my iPad, but uh, the bulk of the message is here, and praise God for that. So I want to take you there to Revelation chapter 12. And we are going to read now just a verse before we read Revelation 12, verse 9. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief, in reference to Satan, does not come except to do three things. What are they? Steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what Satan is about, to bring destruction. No matter how he finds a way to bring destruction and killing, he will do that. And we are going to see that through lifestyle choices, he is ripping a harvest and bringing people to the grave earlier or crippling people to fulfill their purpose on this life. 
And on the other hand, we have Jesus. He says, I have come that they may have what, everyone? Life. And what kind of life? And that they may have it more abundantly. And we are going to see that that implies also lifestyle choices. But notice here in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9, that's where you are. We find this verse, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who, what is the next word, everyone? Deceives the whole world. So the way that Satan brings destruction and how he brings killing on this world is by bringing what first? Deception. That's right, deception. And we're going to see that even in the area of lifestyle choices, he has brought deception to make people to make the wrong kinds of choices. Okay, so here we go. So this morning, again, if it is in the Bible, I believe it. If it disagrees with the Bible, guess what? It's not for me. Is that a fair deal this morning, yes or no? Okay, so we are going to stay with the Bible and see what the Word of God has to say about lifestyle choices. Notice what it says here in the slide. The way we care for our bodies on earth reveals how we would care for them through all eternity. And we are going to see that in scriptures this morning. So just going back to your passage, notice what it says in the book of 3 John and verse 2. Beloved... I pray that you may prosper in how many things? All things, right? No, so you're not there, so let me help you. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in, what is the next word, everyone? Health, but in what way he would like us to be in health, the Apostle John here? Just as your, what, everyone? Soul prospers. So he wants the believers to enjoy health just as much he wants the believers to grow in grace, spiritually speaking. So the Bible teaches that we are what kind of people? Whole persons. God wants to save us completely, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So we see in the Bible, and we as a church, we believe that God has a holistic message. What kind of message, everyone? Holistic message. It has a message that will provide salvation in all aspects of our lives. So notice here the first angel's message. I invite you to go there to Revelation 14. So you're in Revelation 12. Just turn a page and you're in Revelation 14. We've been talking about the three angels' messages. And we find the first angel's message here, God addressing three aspects of mankind. How many aspects did I say this morning? Three aspects. Notice the beginning of the message. It says in verse 7, saying with a loud voice, what is the next word, everyone? Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And do what, everyone? Worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. So the worship of the creator, we know, is a reference to our spiritual life. God wants us to experience authentic worship and worship him. And of course, there is a reference to the fourth commandment as the way of worshiping the Creator. But we find here, fear God and give glory to God. And we need to understand uh, what the message is actually talking about. Just quickly, we have talked about that before. But just to review quickly here, notice what it means to fear God. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6, the Bible says, Therefore you shall do what, everyone? 
Keep the commandments of the Lord your God. For what reason? To walk in his ways and to, what is the next word? To fear him. So we fear God by keeping God's commandment. And if you remember the new covenant in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15 and 16, it says that the Holy Spirit will write his law in our minds and what, everyone? Hearts. That's mental and emotional restoration. Okay? But how about giving glory to God? What does it mean to glorify God? So I want to take you to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's turn our Bibles there, if you will. So we are going now to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to learn from scriptures how we can glorify God. Because the message says very clear, we must fear God. That means keeping God's commandments by allowing the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. And that's mental and emotional restoration. We must also worship the one who made. That's spiritual restoration. And we must also give glory to God. The Bible says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, For you were bought at a price, and that is the life of Jesus. Therefore, do what, everyone? Glorify God where? In your body and in your spirit, which are... God. So we bring glory to God in our body and in our spirit. Notice in the same book, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. And again, it talks about bringing glory to God, giving glory to God. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Therefore, whether you, what is the next word, everyone? Eat or drink, does that have to do with lifestyle choices? Yes or no? Most definitely. Or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So how do we give glory to God according to these texts? Through our body, right? Our spirit as well. But through our lifestyle choices. Whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, we must do it for the glory of God. And let's talk about something here. I don't mean to step on any toes, but just present you know, the principles of the Word of God. We need to apply the principles of the Word of God because we find also in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 and chapter 3 that we must glorify God in our bodies because our bodies is the temple of who, everyone? The Holy Spirit is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand the principles because sometimes people, they ask the question, but is it really written in scriptures about this particular thing? And many times the answer is what, everyone? No, it's not written. But if you understand the principle, then you know how to apply in different circumstances. And let me apply here to you very clearly there are some lifestyle practices which destroy our what everyone our bodies and doesn't bring glory to god okay because remember our bodies is the temple of the holy spirit so i have dr linus pauline a quote from him he was um, a doctor that actually won two Nobel prizes and that's very rare to happen and he wrote this word every cigarette you smoke takes how many minutes of your life 14 and a half of your life that means that someone that smokes let's say 30 cigarettes per day they are losing every day seven hours and 30 minutes of their lives Cancer research at UK, smoking is the single biggest cause of what, everyone? Cancer in the world. In the UK, smoking kills how many times? 
five times more people than road accidents, overdose, murder, suicide, and HIV all combined. So that tells me really clearly that I cannot glorify God in my body if I continue to make the choice of smoking. Smokers have 25% higher risk of heart attack than non-smokers. Okay, so nicotine causes the arteries to shrink, and of course that causes um, you know, uh, clogs in the arteries resulting in strokes or heart attack. And uh, let's not forget about secondhand smokers as well that are more prone as well to develop um, cancer, especially lung cancer. So for those that have children at home, let's be mindful of them and allow them to glorify God in their bodies by making the right choices ourselves. Now, friends, if anyone here this morning is struggling with that, this particular practice or choice, let's remember, let's go to Revelation chapter 3. Let's go back to the book of Revelation because Revelation presents also not only what is right and unpacks or, or, or uh, unmasks the deceptions of Satan to destroy lives, but it gives a solution as well. Notice here in Revelation chapter 3, and we are reading verse 21. The Bible says, to him who overcomes. So there is a promise that we can overcome. I will grant to sit with uh, me on my throne. Friends, Jesus is inviting us this morning to do what, everyone? To overcome. To overcome. He's inviting us um, to experience his power and his grace so we can be cleansed and we can find the power to overcome. In this context, quitters always what? Win. By the grace of God, you can win. Would you say amen for that? Friends, and we need to uplift one another in prayer as well. If we know someone is struggling with uh, a particular um, lifestyle choice, because we have a promise that it is possible to reverse. Romans chapter 5, verse 20, it says, But where sin did what, everyone? Abounded. And sometimes someone may be in, you know, like totally given to smoking or other kind of vice. The Bible says grace abounded much more. And if you understand God's grace in the Bible, it's more than just forgiveness. God's grace has to do with transformation, with God teaching us to deny ungodliness. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Jesus is stronger than what kind of uh, habits? Enslaving physical habits. That's right, my friends. The same Jesus that was on earth healing people and uh, giving health to people, he can heal our vices as well, our sickness as well. He wants to give us his healing power. I want to help you to claim this promise. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Let's turn our Bibles there to Matthew chapter 7. And we are going to read verse 7 and 8. There is a precious promise there that we should claim for ourselves. You know, the Holy Spirit can help us to restructure our brain so we can make decisions that are different than the ones we've been making so far. Notice carefully here what we find in Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to read verse 7 and 8. What does it say there? Where is the first word there in verse eight, verse 7? Excuse me. 
It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And then verse 8, for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be what? Open. And if you continue to read the context, it's talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. That he can give the Holy Spirit. He's more willing to give the Holy Spirit than parents to give good gifts to their children. And that's the promise we have, and that's the promise that we must claim. Now, let's go to Romans chapter 6, and I hope you like to study the Bible this morning because we are going to go through several passages of the Bible this morning. Let's go to Romans chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 16, friends. There is a principle here that we must keep in mind that has to do with who is in control of our lives. The Bible says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? In other words, we can become the slaves or the servants. Every time you see the word servants in the Bible, it's the word slave. You know, when Paul says, I'm the servant of God, he's basically saying, I'm the slave of Jesus Christ. And friends, we can either become the slaves of Satan, the slaves of our choices and poor um, uh, habits, or we can become the slaves, the servants of God. And let's talk about alcohol as well. Fighting the battle of the bottom. Okay, so the Holy Spirit communicates with us through our minds. Through what, everyone? Through our minds. You can just read the New Covenant. If you say, okay, you said that you're going to provide biblical answers if you read the new covenant Exodus, excuse me hebrews chapter 8 uh, verse 10 hebrews chapter 10 verse 15 and 16 it says that the holy spirit will put his law in our minds and in our hearts so that's how the holy spirit communicates with us is through our brain friends and we needed to have habits that will protect our brains and will bring health to our brains Drinking alcohol cuts off what, everyone? Oxygen supplies to the brain. And we begin to do poor decisions, become more sluggish. Let's go to the book of Proverbs. And we need to understand more about that because there are misunderstandings, even among Christians, about what the Bible says about alcohol. Let's go to the book of Proverbs, and we're going to chapter 20, and keep your Bibles there in the book of Proverbs. We're going to see a few more verses here. But I want to show you what it says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, concerning um, alcoholic beverage, including wine, fermented wine, because the Bible talks about two kinds of wines, as we're going to see this morning. So notice what it says here. Wine is a what, everyone? A mocker. Strong drink is a what? A brawler, and whoever is led astray, notice these words, led astray or deceived by it, it's not what? It's not wise. And friends, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, so if you want to fear God and give glory to Him, we must receive the wisdom of God. Okay, and that, that includes turning away from alcoholic beverages, including wine that is fermented. So let me take you now to Proverbs chapter 23. There are several other passages here concerning wine and uh, alcoholic beverage, um, you know, throughout the Bible. But let's read a few this morning. 
So we are in Proverbs chapter 23. Let's begin in verse 29. There are a series of questions there that the answer all points to those who are drinking. It says, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without a cause? Who has redness of eyes? Before we continue, we know that alcohol is a big reason for marriage problems as well. Notice what it says here as we continue. Those who linger long at wine, those who go in search of mixed wine. So what is the advice then that we receive? Let's go on and see what it says. Do not do what if you want? Look on the wine, let alone touch it and drink it. Do not look on the wine when it, it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. And then it goes on to say, at the last it does what, everyone? Bites like a serpent. When a serpent bites, it, it injects what, everyone? Poison. Okay, And that's exactly what alcohol does to our body. Okay, so it gives poison. Some, some people say, but how about like scientific data that say that uh, like wine, fermented wine is good for your health, but it's more to do with what is found in the grapes, much more than what is found in the fermentation. So unless it bites like a serpent, it stings or poison like a viper. Then it says, your eyes will see what kind of things? strength things and your heart will utter perverse things and definitely we cannot glorify God if we utter perverse things does God mind social drinking and we need to answer these questions friends we need to uh, see what the word of God has to say about that but we saw that we shouldn't even look upon wine fermented wine but some may say how about Jesus on the wedding feast right where Jesus himself transformed water into what, everyone? Wine. So let's see what it says there. You can turn your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 2. I want to read just a few portions. Um, probably most of us remember this story, but I'll review really quickly. So Jesus was in a wedding. And remember that wedding in those days were not like in our days, where people celebrate just for a few hours. Okay, so... Um, but, uh, of course, even in our days, there might be exceptions to that. But in those days, people celebrated for days, okay? They were celebrating for days, and they would uh, uh, eat and drink for days. And those hosting the weddings, they needed to provide for the guests. And, of course, they drank all the wine that was available, and they ran out in one point of the commemoration, I don't know what day of the commemoration, but certainly, you know, the holster, uh, the one hosting had uh, made provisions, but they eventually ran out, probably more toward the end. So notice what it happens here. You find these words between verse 1 through 5. Now there were set there six water pots of stone. How many water pots? Six. Filled to the brim. So that's what Jesus says. Take the water pots and uh, just fill these pots and uh, all the way to the brim. And if you do a little bit of research, you're going to see that uh, in the Bible you'll find two kinds of wines. How many kinds of wines, everyone? 
Two, you have fermented wine, alcoholic beverage, and you have pure juice of the grape, which was also called wine, because the word wine, the root word is the word what, everyone? Vine, okay? So that's, that's the root word for the word wine. So whatever came from the vine, and you made juice out of that, was called wine. Even if it's not grapes, it was called wine, okay? In our day, um, the language wine is specifically referring to um, alcoholic wine, fermented wine coming from grapes. So let's go on here. So Isaiah 65, verse 8, just quickly. As the, what kind of wine, everyone? The new wine. So notice carefully, if there is a new wine, there is by implication one that is old, and the old wine is fermented. As the, wi- uh, the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it. What kind of thing is in the new wine? A blessing, okay? A ble- not a curse, like accidents, like marriage fights, or many other problems, health problems resulting from drinking um, alcoholic beverage. So going back to the feast there, you had the six jars... And if you take the measurement that is offered there, you had the between 120 to 180 gallons. Now think about that. If that was alcoholic beverage, was Jesus actually contradicting the things that we read in the book of Proverbs, speaking against fermented wine, alcoholic beverage? Was he disregarding all that and providing 180 gallons of alcoholic beverage for these people that had already drunk all the wine that they had available. Was that the case or is there an alternative solution? As I said, there are two kinds of wines in the Bible. How about Daniel and the New Test- uh, in the Old Testament? We just heard the story here that George told the children that Daniel chose not to drink the wine that came from Babylon. And what made uh, you know, uh, Daniel make that choice? It was his knowledge of scriptures. Now, notice carefully here what it says. The next slide. Did Jesus create enough fermented wine to get the whole village drunk? What do you think? Certainly not, friends. Notice what it says. If you're there in John chapter 2, just read verse 10 with me quickly here. And notice what it says here. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk... Then the inferior, you have kept the, what kind of wine? The good wine until now. That was the kind of wine that Jesus made. It was the good wine. Okay? Wine that brings health, that brings uh, joy in festivities and not accidents. One of the leading causes of death in automobile uh, accidents is alcohol. And again, friends, Jesus can give us the strength. His words have promises that can set us free. The promise of the Holy Spirit is there for us to claim. And we can learn or restructure our brains to start making different decisions. At first, it may be harder, but as you press on, surrendering to Christ a decision after a decision... God will give you victory and will become easier and easier. And I can give my personal testimony. Some of you know, um, before becoming a Christian, I used to consume alcohol and smoke 
and the Lord has set me free. And the beginning was hard, but more I surrendered to God, it came to the point that was not even a temptation for me anymore. So I want to take you to the book of Exodus. Let's go there to Exodus chapter 15. Remember that uh, the Israelites, they became slaves in what nation again? In Egypt, right? And of course, as they were slaves there for years, for centuries, they forgot many of the things that God had taught his people, you know, um, by mouth from one generation to the next. And they were having the lifestyle of the Egyptians. But once God took them out, God started giving them promises and including promises of abundant health. Notice carefully what we find in Exodus 15 and verse 26. The Bible says and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put, what everyone? None of the disease on you which I have brought on who? The Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Friends, can we also benefit of that promise today? Yes. Certainly, friends. If we hear the words of God as it says here and we follow them by God's grace, we can certainly enjoy health. But let me share some researches that have been done in the Egyptian mummies. So here is uh, a research on one of the pharaohs in Egypt. In, in his um, body to, you know, the autopsis was trying to identify the reason for his death. And amazingly, the reason for his death was probably a heart attack because his arteries were clogged. So we see that the reason for his death, you know, the disease of the Egyptian had to do with lifestyle choices. Now let me show you another research here. We have Dr. Rosalie David in Manchester University in England. She also made autopsies in Egyptian mummies, and she found the same. There is another one here, Dr. Cloud Rufus, maybe, did x-rays on 14,000 mummies. And uh, here are the discoveries. They all match. Here are the reasons for the death of the Egyptians. Heart disease, cancer, arthritis, obesity, high blood pressure, rheumatism, STD, most of them dealing with lifestyle choices, friends. The same diseases that are affecting Americans today, the Western world. That tells us something, friends. That tells that uh, the Egyptians, they were having a similar lifestyle that we have today, making poor choices that were compromising their health, and they were getting sick and dying earlier. And God is saying, if you follow my word, I'm not going to allow you to have the diseases of the Egyptians. Would you say amen for that? Is that a God of love or a God that is interested in giving us a hard time and restricting our lives so we can have a miserable life? Is that what it is? Not at all, friends. It's about God displaying love and wisdom. Displaying what, everyone? Love and wisdom. So when we go back to the book of Genesis, what we find there is that God had for mankind a plant-based diet. Let's go there to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, we find God's original purpose for mankind. And we find here, as we're going to see verse 29, that God even prescribed that what we were supposed to 
put in this machinery. And that should uh, be just common sense because if we buy a machine like a vehicle, it comes with instructions to what you should put or not put there in order for that car to function properly. Are we together? So God did the same. Notice what it says here. He gave us instruction. In verse 29, And God said, See, I have given you every what everyone herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you it shall be for food or the king james says shall be for meat the word meat there you have to analyze contextually it's talking about um, your provisions your food so god had in the garden of Eden. Uh, vegetarian diet for mankind but things changed because of the flood let's explore that thought for a moment it wasn't until after the flood in Noah's day that God gave people permission to eat what everyone flesh food or meat so let's um, you know explore that a little bit because some people say okay God gave permission so we can enjoy any kind of meat that we like to enjoy because God gave permission. First of all, that was a plan B. What kind of plan, everyone? Plan B. It, it, it is obvious that after the flood, you wouldn't have, you know, um, the orchards and uh, the production of, of uh, vegetables that would provide nourishment for their lives. Okay, so, and God allowed them to eat meat. But even in that permission... We see that God made a distinction. God instructed Noah to bring both, what kind of animals? Clean and unclean animals into the ark. And I want to take you to Genesis chapter 7. Let's go there if you will. So Genesis chapter 7, because some people, they say this uh, clean and unclean meat things was given to the Jews, to the Jewish nation, but it was all uh, way before there was any Jew on this earth. Okay, it was in the days of the flood God made that distinction. And the reason God made that distinction was that he knew that after the flood they needed to eat what, everyone? Meat, right? So, but God wanted them to, uh, of all the choices in the plan B, to make a better choice. So notice what it says in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Verse 2, the Bible says, You shall take with you seven each of every, what kind of animal? Clean animal. A male and, a, and his female. Two each of, what kind of animal now? Animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Often we think that the animals went side by side, two by two in the ark, but some of them went in seven and some others went in two. And God made a distinction there. So two kinds of animals, clean and what, everyone? And clean. And that's in the context of eating them, okay? Not that uh, there is anything sinful in these animals, but God separated the word clean means separating in this context if you really explore um, you know the message uh, regards to these words clean and unclean and the word unclean is common okay so not sanctified not separated for food they have their different purposes but again after the flood 
the earth was desolated. God made that exception, and he made that distinction. And we need to learn what the Bible has to say about that, and we find more information in the book of Deuteronomy. What book did I say, everyone? Deuteronomy. I want to take you there, if you will. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 14. So we are going to Deuteronomy chapter 14. So we can see what the Bible has to say about uh, clean and unclean meats that he repeated to the Jewish nation what he had already made a distinction um, in the flood or before the flood so they could use immediately after the flood. So notice here what we find. So let's begin in verse 6. The Bible says, And you may eat every animal with cloven hoofs, having the hoof what? Split into two parts. So that's the first characteristic to identify a clean animal. And that do what, everyone? Choose the cud among the animals. So let's understand a little bit more about what it means to chew the cud. And that basically means that the animal has a sophisticated digestive system where he eats the first time, goes to the first stomach, and then later it goes back to the mouth where he can again chew, and then it goes back into the inner digestive system. And that prevents uh, the consumption in the bloodstream of toxins, okay? So it reduces. I'm not saying it's 100%. But God knew what kind of animals would be healthier for us to consume. And he gave the two characteristics there that we saw in the verse before. Number one, the hoof has to split in how many parts? Two parts, and it has to chew the cut. So let's go on here. Here are some examples of animals that are considered clean according to the Bible, like the sheep and the cow and the deer, okay, and the goat. Now let's talk about other kinds of animals that are considered to be unclean. Let's go on here. We are still in Deuteronomy chapter 14. The Bible says, Nevertheless, of those that chew the cud or have cloven hooves, you shall not eat such as these. So let's see what it says. The, what is the next word, everyone? The camel and... The hare, you know, uh, uh, or a rabbit, and the rock, help me with this word, hyrax, for they chew the cud, but do not have what? Cloven hooves. They are what, everyone? Unclean for you. And then it goes on to say, also the what? The swine is unclean for you, because it has cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud. You shall not eat their flesh or do what, everyone? Touch their dead carcasses. And if you know a little bit about uh, these animals that are considered unclean, many of them, and specifically now talking about uh, pork, they are considered scavengers. Consider what, everyone? Scavenger. What is that? They consume, um, you know, wastes, okay, and in some cases, dead corpses. Um, and we find them in the sea as well as, as we're going to see. But I want you to see what the Bible says in Psalm 84, verse 11. No good things will he, what? Withhold from those who walk uprightly. So it's not about God, like, making our lives miserable, as I already said. But it's about God giving to us what is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good, friends. Notice what it says in Isaiah 66, verse 17. Those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves to go to the garden after an idol in the midst and eating what, everyone? Swine's flesh and the abomination of and the mouse shall be what? Consumed together, says the Lord. So this is God's word speaking here this morning, friends. 
And I begin saying, if it is in the Word of God, I believe. If it's not in the Word of God, it's not for me. So the Word of God is admonishing us to abstain from these things. And it's about temperance. It's about what, everyone? Temperance. It's about self-control. And that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we want. We want the Holy Spirit to teach us to make choices that will uphold the principle of temperance. Pork has the highest cholesterol source of all meats, and then we go back to the disease of the Egyptians. They had to do with lifestyle choices. Here we have Dr. McNaught, a health researcher, found that one of every four pork, what? Specimens had living, what? Trachina larvae in it. And you may say, oh, really, all I have to do is to cook. But the reality is that uh, the number of people being infected, it's increasing. And they're not eating raw pork, but they think they have cooked enough, but they are not cooking enough. And that is also another reason for disease in consuming pork meat. So notice what it says, back to Deuteronomy um, chapter 14. That's where we are, Deuteronomy chapter 14. Let's read verse 9. The Bible says, These you may eat of all that are in the waters. You may eat of all that have what? Two things, fins and scales. Is that hard to remember, yes or no? Very simple. God's instructions are simple and reasonable. So let's go on here. It says, And whatever does not have fins and scales, you shall not what? eat it is what unclean for you and that includes catfish and crab and lobster and all those things that are in the sea that doesn't have fins and scales at the same time we should not eat because they're unclean they will affect our health and then you may say but uh, you're forgetting something what about Peter's vision right you remember Peter's vision Acts chapter 10 what did he see everyone he saw a sheet that God showed him in a vision. And in that sheet, there was all kinds of unclean animals. Okay, only unclean animals. And to make things worse for Peter, and I invite you to go there with me to Acts chapter 10. Let's turn our Bibles there. We're going now to the book of Acts chapter 10. And I'm going to give you an exegetical interpretation. What kind of interpretation did I say? Exegetical, meaning contextual interpretation. We're not going to take the text, you know, isolate and uh, start making doctrines that the Bible did not intend. So we're going to analyze the context here, and we are in the book of Acts. And in verse 13, notice what the Bible says. Um, here is Peter in the vision. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and do what to those animals? Eat. And I wanted to see what Peter answered. But Peter said, not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything common or what? Or unclean. So he was hesitant, but the Lord showed him the vision was not about food. The vision was not about what, everyone? Food. God used an illustration here that would strike the mind of Peter. And the vision was about people. The vision was about what? people let's see that contextually i don't have the, the 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 time to read the whole chapter but go with me to verse 28 the same chapter but god has showed me this is peter speaking about the vision god has showed me in that vision where he saw the unclean animals that i should not call any animal right any what any man common or 
unclean. Was the vision about food, yes or no? no. Not at all, friends. That was about, um, you know, not discriminating people because the Jews... They believed that uh, salvation was for the Jews and not for the Gentiles, okay? And, uh, and that was the mindset of the apostles even after uh, the Pentecostal experience. And in Acts chapter 10, so finally Peter understand. Understand what? Notice verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no what, everyone? No partiality, and that's what God was trying to tell them, that in the sight of God there was no partiality. But in every nation, that's what it's about, nations, whoever fears him and works righteousness is what, everyone? Accepted by him. And that's not uncommon for Peter in a vision to have animals symbolizing nations, because if you go to Daniel chapter 7, we studied about that, we find how many beasts? Okay, four beasts, four animals, and those animals symbolize nations. Okay, so, and, and that made perfectly sense for Peter. So, now as we bring this message to a close, I want to share with you, um, you know, some facts here about uh, Seventh-day Adventists. Have you ever heard about the Blue Zones? Anyone here? Okay, so the Blue Zones are areas of the world where people live the longest. And one of the areas um, you will see that is actually the United States of America, in Loma Linda, California. And that's a surprise because the country as a whole is not doing very good in longevity. But when you go to Loma Linda, you find it as one of the blue zones. And what do you find in Loma Linda? A large Seventh-day Adventist community as part of the blue zone. There are studies, friends, uh, on Adventists people comparing to other people groups or comparing among ourselves. I don't know if you know that because um, there are some Adventist people that uh, chooses to go to God, God's ideal plan, found in the book of Genesis, a plant-based diet, and not uh, um, using any kind of animal products. Some decides to be just vegetarian and consuming dairy products um, and um, eggs. Um, and some choose to abstain from unclean meats. And that's what the Lord requests of his people, to abstain from unclean meats. The Lord doesn't say that everyone needs to be vegetarian. You don't find that in scriptures. But you do find that that was God's original plan. So even among ourselves, there are researches to see the lifespan and, and the quality of life and the health of Adventists in these three groups. There are several, friends, happening in the world today. But friends, here it is. You may be thinking, oh, I have so many poor lifestyle habits in my life. How can I make this change? And the promise is given, friends, for without me, you can what? Do nothing. By implication, with Christ, we can do all things, friends. Two vital principles this morning here. Without Christ, you can do nothing. With Christ, all things are what? Are possible. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Christ wants to strengthen you this morning. Amen? Amen? Whatever choices you need to make, whatever the Holy Spirit has impressed you this morning, whatever you needed to let go and break free from slavery, Christ is inviting you to make that decision this morning. This media was brought to you by Audioverse. 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.